future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. It's maybe the most American sound. A hamburger on the grill. Only, we're in an office building, not a backyard. Hamburgers were invented in Europe, not the U.S. And you know what? This patty, it doesn't contain any real meat. Maybe the iconic hamburger, as we remember it, is slowly fading away. And maybe we should be okay with that. Today, I'm talking with Ethan Brown of Beyond Meat, a plant-based protein alternative to animal meats. So, I did what any sensible host would do. I took my two producers into the kitchen, and we made Beyond Meat burgers. All right. We have our... Beyond Meat, plant-based burger patties. Dude, there's 20 grams of protein. That's actually kind of good. I mean, that's really good. I say as if I go to the gym on a regular basis and care about protein. They look like meat. They're pink like meat. A quick look at the packaging tells you almost everything you need to know. This is good copy. At Beyond Meat, we started with simple questions. Why do you need an animal to create meat? Why can't you build meat directly from plants? Turns out you can. So we did. Beyond Meat started in a world ready for change. More and more, people want to support companies with missions that involve social good, be it philanthropy or sustainability. And rather than just put another veggie burger on the market, Ethan wanted to create something more. A company that puts its lofty mission first. And he tells us how you can start and grow your own company's mission without it coming off like just another marketing ploy. All right, ready to go? Vegan burger. Go. That's great. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this tastes like The Gross Show. So, Ethan, I'm hoping you can just hit me with the elevator pitch. You know, start at the starting place. What is Beyond Meat, and why should I be having plant-based dinner tonight? Sure. Um, I, I came out of uh, an industry that I felt was vitally important for the sustainability of the planet, which yeah. is uh, the, the fuel cell industry. But that was addressing really climate. And when I look at the impact you can have by replacing animal meat at the center of the plate with plant meat at the center of the plate, uh, it's astounding. And we really look at four things. We look at human health, whether it's you know heart disease and diabetes and cancer and the many other disease epidemics that can be traced back to the overconsumption of particularly processed meats. You know that's motivating. Yeah. And you look at you look at climate, and you see that the main driver globally for greenhouse gas emissions is livestock. And so we look at natural resources and just the efficiency of the animal in terms of converting plant matter into consumable meat is so low, there has to be a better way. So you can help conserve natural resources by doing what we're doing. And then lastly, animal welfare. You know, People feel many different ways about that, but I think most of us would be very content with a system that didn't use animals to create meat, but instead created meat directly from plants. See, I think that's really interesting. There are millions of different angles that people could take into sustainability, lots of people working on different parts of this problem. Are you arguing for everybody, you know, refocusing on this one core lever? 
Well, I think that's a great question. I think that for me personally, that was the decision that I made because I was, you know, I, I really had spent almost a decade in, in, in the fuel cell industry and, and even longer in, in alternative energy. And I really felt that there was some something larger that was calling me in terms of could I make more of an impact by doing something else. And, and once I started to learn more, particularly about the climate impact of livestock, I said, well, wait a minute. I'm not putting my own focus to the highest use. And, yeah. you know, for some, some it may be alternative energy, but for me, it was definitely this. One of the points of frustration I had was, you know, being in the alternative energy sector or even in the environmental field. And I was at a board meeting uh, as a guest at dinner uh, with one of the major leading environmental organizations. And, you know, the dinner was replete with, with animal protein. That's a crazy uh, moment. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, well, wait, are we really focused on the right things here? And so for me, making the decision to to focus on what I cared most about and could have the biggest impact around in the you know the time that I have on this earth was was a really important decision for me. So take me back to that moment where you realized you're in sustainability, but you're not targeting meat. Um, and you sort of realized I'm in the wrong space here. I wish I could say I turned on a dime. It took me a long time. Like I, I, you know, began to realize this many years before I started the company and you know, my, my first crack at all of this was I wanted to try to, to do a, like a plant-based McDonald's. Like that was a real dream for me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that was so far afield from what I've been trained to do. You know, I, I, I was definitely in the, you know, energy field and had a background for that. And, and so it was just kind of like, it just didn't seem like a, a realistic thing to do. And so for, for a long time, I avoided it. You know, I just, I just would push it away when, when a thought came to me, but you know, like any calling, it, it ultimately commands your attention. And for me, over many years, it, it became so loud that I couldn't ignore it anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, and I had a great job. I was, you know, according to a CEO at a publicly traded company, I, I you know, worked my way up, spent a lot of time doing that, but just felt like I, I, had, to, I had to go do this. And so ultimately made the decision and, and jumped in. And for me, I think the biggest thing is removing the safety net. Like I tried so yeah. hard to keep to keep safety nets. I tried, like you know, to sort of have one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, like and so I consulted for a long time back to my old industry. I would, you know, and I often would get a check from that and pay employees and you know all that stuff. And but ultimately, it was after I blew through you know my savings and you know, you know got rid of the houses and all this stuff that I was like, okay, I'm so far in here that <laughs> I'm willing to do anything to make this work. You're sitting in it. You're facing it. Yeah. And I think that's important about big projects in general. Yeah. If you look, if you look at the history of big projects, and there's an economist that actually studied this, said most of the big projects that were undertaken probably wouldn't have been started if the risk and expense were properly calculated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you kind of have no choice at that point, right? Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, for me, my, I do my best thing with the back against the wall. Like it just, it's half out of my brain works. Like, so, so being, putting yourself in a position where you have to think intensely and, and, and move quickly. Uh, generates the the best thought for me versus you know other means. And speaking of sustainability and and sort of environmental causes, does it feel like we're at that point as a society? I mean, we, we keep hearing left, right, and center that you know we're we're past the deadline, we're past the the breaking point. There is no going back. I think I think that's that's unfortunately probably pretty accurate. But I do I just I have a lot of hope um, and optimism within myself. So. I'm not willing to accept it. I mean, I remember 
a long time ago, I read Bill McKibben's, you know, his basically thesis was you can go anywhere in the world now and wherever you are will have been impacted by man. And that's the first time that's ever happened. You know, there's a sadness to that. Yeah. But, but I also think that we have it within ourselves to solve this. And it's going to take basically a change in the way we think about the world. But for me, I can get really focused on just doing this one thing right because right. I believe so powerfully in it. So I, I tend not to get overwhelmed by the broader global issues because I'm just like, look, if I can create a piece of meat from plants, it's indistinguishable from a piece of meat from animals. You know, I will have left a legacy that's important. Yeah. So you started Beyond Meat with a mission in mind. It, it has always been a mission-driven company. Yes. Do you think that companies can add mission after the fact, or do they have to do it like you've done it? Do they have to be focused from the beginning? You know, that's a great question. Um, I always wonder if it seems like a marketing ploy to add it later on. <laughs> I, I think I'm just, I'm not, I don't know if it's not smart enough or sort of manipulative enough or whatnot, but like, it's just so core to who I am. I don't know how else to do it, basically. For mm-hmm. example, like I would love to one day own an NBA team. I would love to win the NBA championship. But like what I love about that is the nice clarity. reasonable goals. Yeah, but it's that's the clarity of it. It's so clear. Like yeah. I have a group of people that I'm going to try to shepherd through this process to beat everybody else, and that's going to be fun. You know, and so it doesn't have to be save the world mission, but I just find that like it's motivation first and then infrastructure and organization second versus the other way around. Motivation first and infrastructure second. Yeah. That makes sense. So Let me ask you this. Let's say you mentioned McDonald's earlier. Let's say McDonald's next year launches a, you know, Beyond Meat burger. That'd be awesome. That was my question. Is that awesome or does that feel like their motivation wasn't there to begin with? And so it's sort of a lost cause. I think McDonald's is a great thing to talk about. Like it's um, it's obviously a pioneer in changing how we we ate food, you know, and, uh, it's funny, I have a friend who is a franchisee at McDonald's in your area, actually, outside Boston. Nice. And she said that when she was a kid, McDonald's was a special occasion. Like she would she would go and her parents would take her there like once a month or something. And she says she's really struggling today with the people that are coming in every single day right. that are obese or sick. And she feels like the food that she's serving may be contributing to that. And so... McDonald's needs to change. I think people within McDonald's understand that. And for me, it all it's a very simple thing. McDonald's is not good at serving salad. Right. You're sort of going against their motivation. Yeah. McDonald's is awesome at serving delicious burgers. They should keep doing that. They should serve plants in the form of burgers and everybody wins. And it's a big mantra within our company. Mm. I don't want anyone to think that they're sacrificing when they consume one of our products. You know, and I think uh, you know, Elon Musk has done a great job with the Tesla, obviously. And, you know, he would never venture to say, drive a Tesla on Monday and go back to a Ford the rest of the week. You know, it's, it's, we want it to be the other way around. Yeah. We want people, we want people to, to really be enthusiastic about our products because they're better for them because they taste great. Uh, and people feel good when they're doing the right thing and, and they're doing something good for their body. Right? And we need to create products people are drawn to versus obligated to consume. So a lot of times people say that early on, you can kind of sell people on the mission of a company even for a couple of years, even if the product is subpar, is that something you noticed out of the gate as you were selling Beyond Meat? Or did you feel like the the product and the mission had to go hand in hand? No, these are good insights. I mean, I, I definitely did see that. And, and I'm very thankful for a group of people uh, in in our consumer base that have just stuck with us through thick and thin. And 
And it's been so helpful. And I can tell you why, because we iterate in the public eye. Right. We, we release new products um, as quickly as I can, because I think there's urgency to what we're doing. But I also want to be in a conversation with the consumer. I want them to, to tell me what they think. That's really interesting. The The meat that you're putting out today is is better. The meatless meat that you're putting out today is better than it was a year ago. And you're very public about that fact. 100%. And I'm very public about that it's not that our product is not where it needs to be yet. Like it's a very good product. I love it. My family loves it. We have it all the time. People love it. It's going to be going selling out. But is it perfectly indistinguishable from a piece of animal protein? Absolutely not. And it needs to be. And it can be. And that's the fascinating thing about this. If you think about uh, what the animal is doing, they're using the digestive system to yeah. basically convert plant matter into muscle. We're just using a system that combines heating, cooling, and pressure to convert plant matter into that muscle structure. Right? And that's it. And so if you were to start from scratch and say, how do I best build a piece of meat? You would never pick an animal, like one that just the hassle of it all. Right. Not, you know, You're almost so mimicking like, that process in a more efficient way. Exactly. And that's what, and so we're not saying people are going to give up meat. I doubt that'll ever happen. You know, meat's enormously important to who we are as a species. But I do think we will see a migration from, from animal meat to plant meat uh, as soon as we get it, you know, uh, get it right. And I think we're getting closer and closer. So it's it's fascinating to me. What you're describing to me sounds a lot like software development. And obviously that's because I come from a software development background, but this idea of you make something that is more efficient than its predecessor, you test on it, you have customer feedback, you kind of iterate, you go back to market and sort of this endless development cycle. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of food talked about that way. It's funny. Um, and I shouldn't say this, but I will. Uh, so I cringe sometimes when people write in and say, and say, oh, I just had such and such a product because I know that the product that is sitting on the shelf, maybe in another store or another store, and then they find it is so much better. So they're, they're having an earlier iteration. Yeah. Some, <laughs> they're some, beta some, testers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, we got the wrong one. Get this one. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and, and, and then it's even worse than that because I know what's in our labs today is yeah. better than what's on the market. So I always want, I'm just, I just want people to have, latest best thing we've done and so that can lead to problems too because i rush things to market mm -hmm. but i want people to have the greatest thing that we have and so it's it is it is a lot like software but i, I can say that something really interesting was said to me a couple of years back by don thompson's wife don was the, the ceo of mcdonald's and i was going on and on about our research and development team anyway she stopped me I was going on and on she stopped me, said, you know, innovation is, is good for my iphone but i don't want to put it in my mouth and, and that, that really strikes me. I've said that many times because it strikes me as so important. We don't want to eat things that are foreign to us right? Uh, because there's an evolutionary reason for that. You can die, right? And so we have it really hardwired into us to not go put exotic things into our mouth. So the product evolves slowly, not to outpace uh, the tastes of its consumers. Mm -hmm. What about the mission? Has the mission evolved over time? You know, that's funny. It, it hasn't. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing from day one it really is and it, it's it's a really it's a feeling like it's something i feel really important to be done it's a calling and something that i think is you know how i want to spend the time i have you know on this earth is, is is a big problem and you shouldn't spend your time doing something that is less than what truly motivates you in your heart and if you can figure out a way to organize your life to tap into that the the outcomes are pretty extraordinary so it doesn't sound to me like your goal is to provide options for people who are already vegan or already living a plant-based lifestyle 
um, it sounds to me that your your goal is really conversion and finding people who were meat eaters and getting them onto more of a plant based life. Yeah, and I think it's really it's it's also my goal is not to tell people not to eat meat. I think that would be a big mistake. I don't want to be the guy who comes like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> you put away the burgers. Do you feel like people kind of hide from you in that way? Like, uh, no, but I fear it. Like my background, I grew up in Washington D.C. and in College Park, Maryland. But my dad is a professor, and we had a farm in the western part of the state of Maryland, which was a big part of my life growing up because we had dairy cattle there. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have that experience and you're around very good people that just think differently, you become a very accepting person. So I, I, I get it. Like I get why people love meat and I get what they're doing. And, and so I don't ever want to be telling people to not eat meat, but I think we can transition to to this plant based meat and sort of continue to eat what we love, but feel really good about uh, how we're doing it. So let me get that straight. So how do you balance those two, though, where you don't want to tell people what to do, but you do have this mission to get them to not do what they're currently doing. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great question, and it's it's. I look to guys like Elon Musk. I want to draw people to this. I don't want to obligate them to it. I want to excite them and inspire them. And so, so one of the things we did several years ago as well was was hired a guy named Jeff Manning, who was the sort of first guy to work on the Got Milk campaign, mm-hmm. um, because I, I, that made a big impression on me. It was uh, massive. Also, yeah, it's like you go into any gym in America at one point in time, and there was like a picture of like Derek Jeter with a milk mustache. Well, that was inspiring kids to pick up a glass of milk. Like, I just think you get further by inspiring versus, you know, probably even obligating. Why do you think that meat and, and really beef and chicken in particular is so representative of our country's, of the U.S.'s taste? But what's fascinating about even that question is the following. Burgers were viewed as a low-class, low-quality food for people who could not uh, chew steak because they didn't have teeth. <laughs> that it was like a minced meat. Yeah, like that's isn't that amazing. And so I haven't while, heard that before. Yeah, it took a while for this gourmet burger thing to occur. And even more interesting about burgers is that the word hamburger is not really true. Like it was like a marketing ploy. Yeah, fine. Yeah. We had some bur- burgers in Hamburg, but it wasn't like uniquely from Hamburg. Like it was like. Some people marketing in the United States figured out that if it tasted like if it sounded like it came from Europe, it'd be better received. So, so that's one thing about hamburgers. So then the second thing about chicken is chicken was questioned as a source of meat, right? That's more well known. Yeah. But it took an enormous amount of marketing to make people think that chicken was something that was suitable for the center of the plate. You know, and even today, some people who are more old timers won't refer to chicken as meat, right? They separate the two. People think these things are intractable, that they're so entrenched. I think the, the concept of consuming nutrient-dense meat is probably pretty entrenched and would not be able to agree that. But the ability to reduce new types of meat is not at all entrenched. Those are major cultural swings. I mean, those took decades. Do you see yeah. yourself as a company that is trying to change the culture on that scale? I do. And then I think what's so cool about the era that we're in, and again, timing is everything. I'm very lucky or fortunate how we look at it to, to be doing what I'm doing at this day. The company is also has a big history that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the internet, for example. Like yeah. I spent nights just researching at my house, you know, who was trying to, I couldn't, I was importing stuff from Asia that was very good, but it wasn't great. It wasn't going to, to take the hardcore carnivore and introduce them to plant-based meat. The you know, social media allows us to quicken things so much where, you know, you got a guy like JJ Reddick, who's one of our spokespeople, for the Clippers now, 76ers, yeah. or Eric or Bledsoe, all these different athletes, Maya Moore, you know, they are compelling to people. 
Yeah. And we can reach people so much more quickly. So I don't think it's going to take decades. I think it's, it's, it's happening so quickly that we can't keep up with production. That's a real issue for us. Our biggest, our number one problem as a company is we cannot make enough product. That's the problem. So you, you had sort of a friendly crowd in Whole Foods, but again, part of what you're trying to do is to seep into other places that may not be as focused on, um, on providing options like this. So you have to be pretty methodic about who you're convincing and the family in Texas, for example, who's eaten steak and burgers every other day of their whole lives, they may not be the ones shopping at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Do you take your approach to getting in front of families like that any differently? The number one thing we can do for a family like that is not market, not spend a lot of money trying to convince them, but go back down to our lab and make the product better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the one thing that is going to win over family that is, is very focused on that meat experience. And so I think the Beyond Burger has gotten the closest of anybody in the industry uh, by far to providing that really juicy meat-like experience in a burger. And, and so that's why the family you just mentioned will at some point get it yeah. uh, and, and enjoy it. And so it's, it's really about the product quality will we'll, we'll win those customers. But I think another important point is whether you're a Republican or Democrat, rich or poor, white or black, if the doctor tells you you've got to make a change or you're going to die, a lot of people will listen to that. And so we're getting a lot of consumers that you wouldn't expect, you know, that this is not sort of your 1970s veggie movement. This is about, I want to keep eating the foods that I love, but I've been told I have to make some changes and they're very thankful to have the product. Yeah. So there's a route in somewhere yeah. in there. Yes. So I got to see, I got to assume that um, the recent acquisition of Whole Foods by Amazon is going to open up a lot of doors for you. Are you guys excited about that because it broadens out that reach? Yeah. And again, I say this because I'm Whole Foods is my most important early customer and they're, they're tremendous to us, but I can joke a little bit. So they, they give you a really hard time when you leave Whole Foods and go to Safeway. They're yeah. like, ah, you know, you're selling out. You know, yeah. So I had to joke with them a little bit that, okay, like who's selling out now? Like you, you, know, you got bought by Amazon. Everybody's got but, that line. And apparently theirs was yeah, Bezos. Exactly. Whatever they put forward. So uh, I think it's good. I mean, first of all, I buy too much from Amazon anyway. Like I'm getting a little, like, I don't know if most Americans are going to feel this way, but like we, my household does a lot of our shopping through, through, through Amazon. Yeah. Um, and so now that the thought of like actually now buying all of our food there is sort of strange, but you know, we'll do it. Yeah. Pretty soon we're just going to have to start calling it the store. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm going to the store. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so one kind of last question for you is, um, you know, we're sort of headed to this place where population growth, there is a limit on the amount of land and farms that we do have. Do you think that um, a meatless future is an inevitability that we have to do this at some point? I think we're going to have to continue to eat meat in all the kind of um, you know, species categories we have, but it is going to be plant-based meat for sure. There's, there's, it, it, it's, that will absolutely happen. It will happen with the same degree of certainty that we transition from you know, horse-drawn carriages to, to automobiles, from landlines to, to mobile phones. It, 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 there's no way it's not going to happen. I mean, it, it's one of the things that's left over from how we basically started to get protein in the beginning, but it's not going to be how we get it in the future. All right. So it's Friday night as we're recording this. We release later on in the week, but uh, it's Friday night for right for this moment. Let's say I've got two Beyond Meat Burger patties sitting in my fridge right now. Uh-huh. What's Give me your best recipe or the best way to oh eat them. Oh, my God. First of all, it starts with the it sounds cooking. Like, it sounds like you got an answer here. It sounds like you, you've been down this road. 
and I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry, so, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm very excited about sharing it. So you just got to cook it the right way. Okay. And so you got to cook it three minutes each side on some high heat in a pan. That's the best way to do it. Okay. I really love that. One. Okay. And I'll be very open. Like one of the things we're still working on in the product is the color transition. So I'm going to, as it cooks, it's going to, it's going to darken on the outside and you know, okay, it's cooking like a regular burger, mm-hmm. but the inside is going to remain looking like a rare or medium rare burger as well as around the edges. And that's because we're still working on getting the whole burger to transition to a black and gray. Oh, that's interesting. Like a normal beef burger would. So do people think that they're, they've undercooked it and yes. they keep cooking? Yes. Yes, that's, that's so the biggest funny. frustration I have. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't say that. I want to get a T-shirt that says three minutes each side or something. Yep. I don't know. Don't want to risk that, sal- that salmonella <laughs> that's not actually possible with your burgers. It, yeah, it's important for me that people have the best experience with it. So that's I'm pretty happy. Okay, but the second thing is, okay, if you can, stop at Whole Foods and get something called the pretzilla. It's the greatest pretzel bun you'll ever have. Pretzilla. It. Okay. It's so good. Okay. And then get some pineapple. Wow, you're starting to get me excited. All right. So so good. So good. Get some pineapple, some teriyaki sauce. So slice the pineapple, put some onion in and grill up the onion, put it all together, and it'll just like to die for you. So it's a, it's a pineapple teriyaki burger with grilled onion. It's that ridiculous. Sounds incredible. All right. We're calling that the Ethan burger. <laughs> thank you. All right, Ethan. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank you very much. So it begs the question, are you going to stop eating meat burgers? No. (laughs) Are you hashtag beyond meat? No, I'm not quite beyond meat, but I am beyond veggie burger. That's a step. That's a step. Yeah.